and be sure to access the link in this episode for access to all its giving content. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of It's Giving, hosted by your boy, Brandon the Introvert, open parentheses, the introvert, close parentheses. We are going to discuss season three, the first episode um, of season three of Atlanta. I, I always say I'm excited for a certain stuff. But I'm really excited for this one because I personally feel like this was probably one of the best episodes of television. But why did I say it like that? Best TV episodes I've ever really watched. Like it, it blew my mind. Um, but we're gonna talk. We gonna, of course we're gonna sit down. We're gonna talk about it all. But yeah, that's what we gonna give today. And um, sit back, relax, and just listen. Shit, I don't know. Shit, do what you do. Listen, clean. I don't know. But let's move on. So to preface before I begin. Atlanta is something I've always known about, and I've seen, you know, clips, I believe, like the te- a few of the Teddy Perkins uh, clips, of course, I believe, what, episode two of season one, uh, when they're in jail. So I've seen a few clips, but I've never gotten into it, just my anxiety. When people talk about things a little too much... Not to say it's a bad thing, but to me, it just overwhelms me. Like Euphoria, I was thinking about reviewing season two. But for one, I feel like Euphoria is such a heavy type of show. And there's also a part of glamorization of some aspects. I feel like with drug use, not too much where I feel like it's it's influencing people to do drugs and stuff. But I feel like it is kind of a glamoury part to it. But... I mean, so there was multiple reasons. Also, I've never had a drug addiction, so I don't want to sit here and go over what Rue should have done or what how Rue is thinking and stuff like that. And I mean, I know I don't know if she Zendaya had drug addiction, but I'm sure you know she's studied for that role, you know. But for me, it just felt I don't know, kind of the fact that I feel like it's like one of the main parts of the show. For one, I didn't want to just keep talking about this, especially at Euphoria High School. It'd be one thing if it was The Wire or something like that, where it's more like realistic. But anyway, I get overwhelmed. But with Atlanta, I actually this I literally sat down and watched Atlanta in its entirety for the first time last week. Last week, right now, today is what March thirtieth. Last week, so I was trying to binge and catch up. Luckily, the episodes are like what 30 minutes so i caught up pretty quickly and i always knew atlanta was a show that i was going to love and i knew it was pretty much on the insecure level now i would say abbott elementary you know in terms of like telling black stories in a very authentic interesting genuine original way so i already knew it was very like highly rated despite you know i look at reviews but honestly I can tell when things are good and when things aren't. I just got that type of eye. But yeah, I already, I always knew I was going to love the show. And from watching it, I love it. And this episode that I'm about to talk about now, like, I really love it. Like, I'm, I'm telling everybody, y'all need to watch this episode, especially, 
even if you haven't seen Atlanta, I will say most of it doesn't have to do with Atlanta at all. And that's kind of what I love about the show. I might do a whole, when season four comes out, after that, I might do a whole series overview of it. I don't know. Who knows? But I do want to have some more conversations about Atlanta because I do think it's like one of those ahead, not even ahead of its time. I think it's very timely, but the lens is very fresh. So, yeah, I just want to preface that. I just saw Atlanta last week. So if there's any super hard Atlanta fans, if there's anything I missed out on or anything that I didn't dig deep into, well, you might know part of the reason. But I got really deep into it so i mean here goes nothing so the title of season three episode one of atlanta is three slaps um and we start on the opening scene with this uh black fisherman i'm assuming that's a fisherman and a white fisherman um both guys on a fishing boat uh near this bridge and the black guy, he's just talking about how a story about how he felt like he was being pulled by the water at the beach uh, next to the lake, next to the lake that they're in. And then that kind of segues into the white guy talking about drown towns, which I really, I mean, it makes sense, but I never really knew personally that how, you know, prevalent they were. But it, of course, it makes sense with America's fucked up history, but. Basically, there was a town, a self-governed black town, and the government pretty much flooded it. And the ones that refused to leave were drowned. And thus, he kind of claims that the whole town underground or under the water is haunted and says the town that's full of uh, black folk were almost white if they hadn't been uh, drowned. And then he goes on to say, white is not a real thing. It's not a biological thing. It's social. It's about where and when you are. He goes on for, to an example saying, Armenians, they're almost white. Um, and in general, enough blood and money, with enough blood and money, anyone can be white. And then he goes on to say, being white blinds you. And it's easy to see black as cursed or others as cursed because you separated yourself from blackness or not blackness but from black people or in other people as well so however the irony is even though you separated yourself you're still enslaved we're all still enslaved and he just goes on to say everyone is screaming at you to turn the machine off you know as a white person but you can't hear them and he like he kind of turns around as he's talking about it and then comes back we see his face his eyes are out pretty much, um, and says, we're cursed too. And then black hands grab him and, um, yeah, black hands grab the black man, my bad, and kind of pull him kind of like a horror story type of situation. And then we see uh, a black boy wake up uh, from a dream and he's in school. So with this scene, it was, it, it it was about, I would say, four to five minutes, maybe a little over five minutes, maybe, but definitely between the four to five minute range. But when I watched it, it doesn't feel like you're sitting down watching it for four to five minutes. You It sounds, it feels like you're watching it for 30 seconds, to be honest. Like, it goes pretty quickly because the whole scene is just very, very captivating. And not to mention, we don't know who these people are. And Atlanta is always... It's always like that. Like 
you never know what you're going to get. You never know what the episode is going to be about. You don't know who it's going to feature. You don't know what the message is trying to say. You don't even know the the genre or the tone. So, you know, just starting this out, I guess we're used to just being jumped into a who knows where, who knows when um, type of situation. So that, you know, at first kind of captured me. And then kind of the dichotomy of the black guy and the white guy just talking about race, more so the white guy just going on his own story um, about how, you know, being white is not something that is a real thing. With enough money and with enough blood, anyone can be white. And that's true. And of course, white, he's not talking about a white person. He's just talking about the concept of whiteness as a as a dominant by dominant, I mean literally taking by force, dominant type of species, dominant type of race that overpowers others, and one that one that is in control of others, and one that controls the machine and controls reality pretty much. So I found the whole conversation to be very interesting, especially with the the drowned towns where you would have black governed towns just drowned out, and of course it happens to indigenous. Um, nations as well, and it's 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 actually really very 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 crazy. The fact there's whole civilizations, societies, communities under the water—that's some wild shit. So I was just taken aback by it all. And then as the white guy was talking, you could see kind of the light fade out, where you can only kind of just picture or picture see his face, and it's shrouded in this darkness. And the darkness fades ever so slightly as he's talking. And you could just see the environment gets darker and the lighting moves with the intensity of the scene. So a lot of the stuff, like a, it was just a very, very, very masterfully done scene. And it kind of, I'm going to talk about the next scene, but I'm still like, okay, what's next? Okay, we see it's a dream and I can see that being a dream. But then it's a boy that we don't know and we never seen in the show. So now where are we going to be taken to? So we see the little boy um, wake up and um, he's in a classroom. He seems to be like 11, 12-ish. Um, so it's like a middle school-esque type of setting. And the teacher talks about how you know now they're trying to include race into the education and curriculum, whatnot. So there's an initiative to teach black history in the state. And I don't know if it's a counselor or some sort, but it definitely, I don't believe that was his original teacher in the classroom that told him to stop. But anyway, as the principal starts the meeting and stuff, we see the teacher who is white um, kind of just cuts in as she's talking, the principal is talking, who's a black woman. Um, and I'm stating all these things for specific reasons, by the way, but uh, she cuts her off and suggests that Laquarius be sent to remedial classes because she's like, maybe the material right now is just too challenging and he needs to, you know, be in remedial math and whatnot in English to really excel. And the mother, I'm glad she did, refuses this option saying like, my kid is not dumb put him put his ass in detention pretty much and she just goes on to pretty much say the same thing and ends up leaving and i'm like yeah um it's kind of messed up like i really wonder how many black kids got sent to remedial classes because of a misinterpretation of how they're acting 
a lack of consideration for them, a lack of trying to figure out their situation mixed in, of course, with some biases. So I really wonder how many black kids have been sent to remedial class for that reason. And once again, in this specific situation, at the end of the day, he was just getting up dancing as a child, dancing because he's going to see Black Panther too. He wasn't listening to when the parent, when the teacher told him to sit down. Okay, whatever. But I don't necessarily view that as a bad child. Um, and from what we see, he's actually very gifted. So, but we're going to talk about that. I would say we're going to talk about that later. But yeah, the mom refuses, say, I'm not putting my baby in remedial class and leaves. So then we see the mother embarrasses Laquarius, telling him to like hit the nene, do all these dances. And it's like, you want to dance in the class? Then dance right now. She said, hit it, hit it, hit it. Oh, okay. Like doing all of that, embarrassing him. Um, honestly, I I feel like if he was like just disruptive, just for being disruptive, this may have been effective. But he was just getting up dancing because he was happy to see Black Panther too. So I think at this point, the mom kind of took it too far. But you know, she's probably upset. She had to leave from work, leave from wherever she was at to get, you know, go to the school. And, you know, she even said to herself, like, I told y'all, stop calling me down here. Um, so she's upset. And I feel like she takes also that anger out on him a bit um, by, you know, embarrassing him, making him dance in the school next to lockers and stuff like that. And then she kind of has a direct speech with him, talk with him, saying, you need to use your common sense. Essentially, I'm just distilling it. You need to use your common sense because these white people will kill you. You will end up in jail or dead if you do not use your common sense and start using your head around these white people because they will not understand you. They will rather have you dead than alive at any point in time. But, you know, Laquarius is trying to say, I didn't mean to. And she, you know, cuts him off. And then the grandfather comes in. My, the grandfather's still there. He comes in and just like. It doesn't do it justice, but it's like a it's like not a soft slap. It's like a toned down slap, but it's still a slap across the uh, face. Um, talking about what's wrong with you. So and, you know, that I think all of that was kind of excessive for him. But I don't think it was anything that was wild to me. And then we see the white teacher looking at everything and escorts Aquarius back to class. Talking about, I'm going to give you, I'm going to get you out of that situation. Don't worry, you'll be out. And we already know what that's about to uh, lead to. If a white person says, "I'm going to get you out of this situation," thinking he's getting abused. Now, objectively, you can consider that as abuse, but we know with black parenting. I feel like we don't, parents don't have a lot of luxuries to just, you know, say luxuries with it, you know, not just as a black parent, but even as a, well, yeah, as a black parent in terms of odds are you probably going to have to leave work. You don't have a flexible schedule. That's just how it is. And then not to mention black kids can't make mistakes like that, especially not black boys. Black kids cannot make mistakes. So I feel like black parents don't have that luxury of just letting their kids just float through life and figure it out. And I, I feel like it should be a balance. But at the end of the day, we don't have that luxury. So of course, you're going to put the fear of God into him. And then grandfather, granddaddy old school. So of course, you're going to slap him across the uh, face. 
he it wasn't like a like a uh a backhanded slap or like a you know but it was a slap so like objectively you could view that as abuse but of course to a white teacher she's going to think this nigga is getting abused um but i think it's just a communication type of thing and just the mom is stressed you know and then granddad that's just old school so but i i feel like the mom was laying it on a little thick but abusive needs to like go to a foster home or find a foster parent now i don't believe i don't think that is necessary so then we're taken to laquarius's home he's watching american dad i when i when i saw that i'm like oh he's pretty cool he's watching american dad and it's crazy now i feel like american dad is definitely one of those it's to the point it's been around since what 2006 2007 2008 definitely more than a decade so i guess it's starting to become one of the older shows so but then yeah we see the child protective services they arrive at the house because of that nosy ass teacher we see a lady at the door talking about can i inspect the home we just want to check things out and of course the mom is like what the fuck why are you at my house why are there police and she thinks that laquarius called the police on her so she's taking this as oh you don't respect me you don't really appreciate or you're not grateful for being in this house and she immediately kicks him out and say here you have him now of course i feel like this is just completely reactionary is that i'll be make I, I don't know if these are words sometimes i'll be making stuff up but most of the times i feel like i end up it ends up being a word but this was definitely a reaction like i really feel like if you sit down and talk to laquarius he's a good child like he's a good kid so i i hate that she assumed that laquarius called the cps on right like i really hate that because just seeing that he seems like a cool kid but she kicks him out saying take him so cps ends up dropping him off at this white ass house and i can hear the conversation between the cps agent and who we find out um the one of his white moms is named amber or foster moms we'll um, talk about that um, and she's just like, thank you for getting a short notice. You're always there, you know. So I didn't notice that till the the first time I watched it. But the second time I watched it, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. She's a frequent adopter. So see, she's very, she probably has a very close connection, at least with the local CPS in the area where she lives in. But we find out this new foster mom's name is Amber. There's three other black kids in the house. I, I forget the other one, but Fatima, I forget the other two. But there's three other black kids in the house. One, they're like, they're like, they all, the boy, he looks like older, like 11, 12. The girl looks like nine or 10. And then the little girl's like definitely six, seven ish. So they're still children. Um, and then Laquarius meets the other mom. And she's like, welcome to the family. She comes out with this ratty ass looking dog named um, Corn Pop, Corn Puff. I believe it's Corn Puff. This ratty ass looking dog. And Gail goes and say, you can call me Gail, not mom. And right when the Amber says like, you can call us mom. And as soon as she said that, she's like, no, call me Gail. So we already know what kind of 
Amber seems like the, those sweet white liberal types that will smile and all about the ocean and all about who, you know, she seems like that type. Gail seems like more, she seems like the Dom <laughs> pretty much um, in their relationship. So um, just no nonsense, kind of more about reality. And Amber just seems like woo woo, you know, kind of softer. But in general, I was getting get out vibes the entire time. Even kind of the music is very uh, uh, indicate. indicative of a peel type of movie and i feel like that was definitely the the tone i wouldn't be surprised if peel had anything to do jordan peel had anything to do with the making of this episode or at least consulting on this episode but during the scene we get little tidbits like the mom talking about you know He's like, Laquarius comes in, it's like, what's that smell? Oh, we make our own kombucha and we have homemade olive oil shampoo and we pickle our own vegetables. And do you want capers or sprouts? He's like, what is that? Capers it is. And then the to the Gail, she's like, oh, like this little black nigger. Um, and talking about t- uh, tonight we're going to have fried chicken. Literally, they put the, they powder up the fried chicken, the chicken and with the flour and then they put it in the microwave and she's like should I do it for eight minutes this time Gail's like yeah it was kind of dry with the 12 minutes like they don't know how to cook it's a nasty ass house smelling like kombucha smell like nasty ass olive oil shampoo smell like nasty ass pickled vegetables like this is a white home and I feel like this scene makes it very it really feels like hell like it really feels like hell it feels like hell. It feels like a white hell. And it's just crazy stuff like that, little stuff like that, that adds up. It's what really makes it an anti-black hellhole. Um, and Laquarius is just not having it. So then we see Laquarius walks into, quote unquote, his room. It looks like all the kids are sharing a room. All four of them children are sharing one room. Um, and the white woman amber she comes in she says like loquacious look of course she i don't think she said loquacious but she definitely said loquarious it's a little too long so we're just going to call you larry okay and gives him this towel and uh is it embroidered embellished monogram no it got larry on it basically and he's like do you have any washcloth she's like <laughs> And the kids look at him crazy. She was like, he's new. It's okay. He's new. She was like, we use our hands. He's like, even on my butt? And then she just completely ignores his question and keeps talking. And then she immediately takes an orphanage picture. Well, I call it orphanage picture. But a picture of all of the uh, little black kids with Larry, <laughs> Larry, quote unquote, and his towel. I'm, I'm calling Laquarius. But they, the whole episode, they call him Larry. Um, the two white moms, but um, Laquarius got his towel, and once again, this nigga is in white hell. They done stripped my nigga of his heritage, naming him Larry, and told him to wash with his hands and not to use a washcloth. So it's these little things that really like y'all are really living in a y'all. I'm talking about white people live in a completely different world like y'all live in a completely different world of course some of the stuff was dramatized don't get me wrong i understand but no 
white people be living like this, playing pickleball and shit. But anyway, then uh, where it's dinner time, Laquarius walks in. He's wearing I I don't I don't like calling it wife beater, but I don't know any other name to say for y'all to know what I'm talking about. But a tank top, but it's really a wife beater, the, the traditional white wife beaters. But um, Laquarius looks at that food. It's looking pale. It looked like it still got blood on it. Who knows if they even washed it. It's it's just not looking good. So, I, I mean, he's just staring at it like, am I eating this shit? And <laughs> Amber was like, you can put rosemary on it, you know, to make it taste a little better. And Gail's like, no, no, it's good. The actress that they chose, I forget her name. I saw it, but I forget her name. But... The actress that they, I believe Amber's lawyer, Laura Dreyfus, but the other actress who plays Gail, like, they picked a good person. Like, her facial features, like, everything about it really kind of put me into that reality. Like, she was, she was funny. Like, she was, she was good. She was, she was good. <laughs> but he says the food is nasty. And of course, the moms disagree. And, um, yeah, they disagree. Amber brings up. Uh, something that Rihanna posted to Gail, like, did you see Rihanna post the uh, spirit animal? And then Gail's like, tell me she's, <laughs> tell me she's indigenous, and I just didn't know. We should comment on that, right? Like, I honestly, there's definitely right and wrong. Don't get me wrong. Rihanna likes. I don't know if she actually said that, but say someone does say spirit animal or something like that. Um, obviously, you know, if they're not indigenous, it's like okay. Eh. But I do feel like this whole let's comment and attack and cancel them really did come from white people because it takes away nuance. And I mean, I feel like it's synonymous with kind of, I'm not trying to veer too far, but I think it's synonymous with the prison system where you can't really make mistakes. Um, and when you do, you kind of are shunned and given no type of resources and kind of viewed as the devil. Um for many, for many stuff, for many cases where it is stuff like this, um, where you you're not indigenous, but you might say spirit animal, but then you won't get canceled for saying that. So yeah, like Zoe Kravitz, she I heard she was in support of Chris Rock. Okay, I feel like people are up in arms and can't quote unquote canceling her because she's Zoe Kravitz because she is quote unquote somebody. But if you heard that on the street, nobody would pay attention to it more than two seconds. So I guess, yes, her platform. But let's be real. Do y'all truly care about that? Or do y'all just want to attack and kind of feel righteous and kind of want to feel right about certain things? Do I agree with what she said? No. But am I going to sit here and say, fuck Zoe Kravitz? Like, no. So I really feel like white people really got into a lot of these you know people's heads in terms of not understanding nuance not understanding complexity not understanding human humanity not understanding mistakes because we see the same people commenting on that be the racist ones be the most fucked up ones ever so that's all i have to say about that because i really do feel like this cancel culture is a very white thing to do you know and i'm talking about just I'm not talking about, uh, you know what? I'm going to keep it right there and keep it pushing. <laughs> um, but yes, during dinner, 
Uh, they're still having dinner, and we hear a call, and I'm like, hmm, it's dinner time. It has to be at least after 5, 5.30, so why are they receiving a call like this? So Gail goes up to answer the phone, picks up the phone, and it's like, we're at dinner. So I'm thinking it's a CPS, but I'm like, I don't think they would talk to CPS like that. And she slams the phone, and the phone rings again, and then she just like literally pulls out the cords. Um, and it turns out it's bill collectors, not CPS, which is interesting. Also, mind you, I also realized the house looks very unfinished. It looks like it's still being painted. It looks like it's still being worked on. It's kind of a mess. But Laquarius, you know, they kind of, they're stressed about these bill collectors. And he interrupts saying, this food is nasty. And Gail's like, you know, there's starving kids in Africa. Ask your brother right there. And, you know, he gives this nod. Mind you, those other three kids have not talked or really said a word. They're very quiet. So that's also telling of a lot. But yeah, Laquarius storms out like, forget this shit. I hate this. I hate this. And they're like, stop. We don't use the word hate in this house. And he's like, he hates this house. And he definitely is more within his right to hate everything about this house. And he talks about like, I just want a hamburger. They're like, uh, we don't, well, the hamburger isn't on the menu tonight. He's like, but the dog is eating it. She's like, well, that's Corn Puff's food. And my new Corn Puff is in a baby chair eating hamburger meat from a bowl, a human bowl. Like, so of course, white people treat their animals better than they treat kids, let alone black kids. But Laquarius hates this shit. Y'all, this next scene, really, I was like, oh, so they're full on slave drivers. This next scene have these kids working in the fields and the little baby girl coughing in the back. Like she's kind of been coughing throughout low key, but they got these kids literally working outside while the mom is just on a chair watching them. And they got Laquarius in like kind of this little like fedora slave hat type of thing going on. And Amber literally says like, tells them to sing. And Laquarius sings like, I feel like I'm Gucci man in 2006. Diamonds and me dance. She's like, no, 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 no. Sing something silly like, we don't want to work no more. Like, does that? I was like, what? So they went from default white, still racist, to white actively, actively fucking racist, like triple racist, like they're consciously aware because, you know, some white people, they don't be aware, but they still be racist. They're actively aware and don't give a fuck. So they had him and the other kids working in these fields and Gail sitting here laughing with Amber. And then next we see the kids working at the farmer's market. This is the next scene, but working at the farmer's market, uh, Laquarius got a uh, free hugs uh, uh, sign. This white guy goes up to them talking about, is hugs your father? That was kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, they got the kids working at the farmer's market. Gail talking about put a little pep in your step, like get into it, really shake your butt, dance and stuff like that. Like it's actually sick. And then we see Laquarius, he just takes a sign off and runs away and hugs a police officer, like goes up to him, like crying, like looking for a rescue pretty much. And the, he's like, you know, my parents, they're abusing me. They don't, they don't feed me. They don't, my white mom, my moms, they don't feed me. Um, they're mean and stuff like that. And then the white moms come and defuse the situation. 
And of course, as soon as the police sees, oh, these are adopted kids and there's two nice whites taking care of him. He's like, oh, I understand the situation. He just tried to say, you know, he couldn't play on his PlayStation. Basically completely not listening to what the child had to say. Um, and it's sad. Of course, the police didn't work. And it was a white policeman at that, but any policeman. And they just take him away. And the, uh, they, the white moms, take him away and they just walk off. Gail sits down, has a personal talk with Aquarius and says, you know, you know what people, where you're from, what they call you? She's like a snitch. And you're in a much better situation than you were in before. And as soon as she, you know, she's trying to talk some more, we hear a knock on the door and CPS comes in and it's a black woman this time with CPS. I think the other CPS, I think she was white or Asian, but she wasn't black. And turns out Casey, the original co, uh, the original CPS worker is out sick. So this is a new CPS worker that doesn't have any ties or connections with this household. And she just goes off the gate like, what's that smell? Goes in, see the little girl sick, got blueberry stained tissues all over her. Talking about, what is this? And Amber talking about, it's Madison. Not taking care of that little girl. And she directly goes up to LaQuarrie and is like, how are you? And he's like, I hate it here. They don't feed me. They, you know, they hurt me and stuff like that. And she's like, I'm going to get you out of here. She says pretty much the exact same thing the white teacher said to him. And Gail talks about, you know, there's some things about our case that you don't know and tries to take her aside and says, let's, you know, talk in private to discuss the situation. And I, I was like, as soon as she said, let's get you out. I already knew one of them was up to something. Gail is like the enforcer. We see some time has passed. Everyone's at the table. And Gail just walks in. We don't see the the CPS worker. She just walks in saying, <laughs> she's cut, like, it, it's hard for me to explain. Like, y'all got to be next to me watching it. But she is playing like a very, not even typical, de- definitely typical white person, but like, woman that's likes control like crazy white woman like a certain brand of crazy white woman and she's playing that specific brand it's hard for me to say it unless y'all already watched it but she's funny she's funny in her own way she comes in no one said anything she was like what she say she said everything's fine <laughs> like <laughs> y'all gotta watch it but she she sits down and like kind of gets all a little triumphant like so you tried that now what and gives him like that type of stare and it's sad laquarius he's just completely defeated and just finally starts eating the chicken for the first time so i think in his mind it's like this is it like this is going to be my life so he's getting i feel like he's starting to get broken and then we see that night, Laquarius is in bed, think about his mother's word, like, you need to have common sense, these white people are here to kill you, are out to get you and kill you. And he kind of has this fever dream of him opening up the refrigerator and seeing the CPS worker's head in like a jar, a pickled jar, you know, the pickled juice and stuff like that. Um, and turns around and it's his grandfather's body with corn puffs head um attached and him saying like slapping him what's your problem and he immediately wakes up 
similarly to how he woke up from that dream with the uh, white and black uh, fisherman conversation. And Amber says, like, get packed, get ready. We're going to the Grand Canyon. You know, that's some shit. They all loading up the car. He, for, he asks, where are we actually going to? And she just looks at him. And they're all loading up the car. And he sees the caseworker's board is, like, with the garbage. Like, it, the pencil, all of that. You know, the board where they just taking notes and, you know, observing and stuff like that. We see the board is with the garbage. So we know. Gail probably most definitely killed her. And then the fact they're going to the Grand Canyon the next day tells me everything I need to know. So as the uh, Amber's on the wheel, as uh, her and Gail, Gail's in the passenger seat and the kids are just in the back. And of course, Corn Puff, Gail is holding Corn Puff. But as they're driving, Laquarius and the kids kind of have this nonverbal communication section. He's sitting here somehow, you know, just looking at him. And we see like subtitles say, these white women are going to kill us. And then the other little girl says, yeah, nigga, we know. And then the other boy says, sweet release. And the other girl says, my hair hurts all without talking. Um, and then we we go see the camera zooms in on Corn Puff. And even Corn Puff is looking scared. <laughs> that raggedy ass dog. Um, but then it fades out and then goes on to the next scene. And the car uh, stops at a rest stop. And we see Laquarius wake up and sees the moms walk out. And the white moms go up to these woods and freeze Corn Puff. And uh, they talk about their whole situation um, and, you know, start talking about, you know, if we didn't take them, then you know, they're just going to be sent to the foster care system and be released into the wild, just like Corn Puff. And we're just prolonging the inevitable by doing that. So, you know, we got to do what we got to do. We know it sounds like they talking about doing a suicide, killing everybody type thing. And um, Amber is constantly crying and talks about their situation in the beginning, how they got Fatima, I believe that's like one of the, yeah, one of the girls and uh, just talks about how the, the caseworker, whatever, the agency adoption service, whatever, they said like they were doing the right thing and they felt like they were doing the right thing and everybody was like kind of exalting them and like not praising them, but just like supporting them and she uh, then goes on to say they got a big loan from the state for, for, you know, taking care of these kids and stuff like that. And she just cries talking about why didn't anyone stop them? Because I feel like deep down they know like kind of what the fisherman was talking about. Like you just get out of control. People are telling you to turn the machine off, but you just, you know, it's like, why isn't anyone stopping us? And I feel like she knows what they were doing was wrong, but no one stopped them because they are white women. And they're white. They're white. When you're white, you don't have to be responsible for your actions or accountable for your actions. So in the, in the same way that everyone else is, it's a different world, um, different America. So they're crying. Gail kind of says, we got to do what we have to do. They walk back to the van and Gail looks back at the uh, the back seats and stuff and sees the hat. Um, thinking, you know, the kids are still there. And Amber's just saying, I can't do this. And Gail tells her, don't look back. And 
while as she's driving, we see a bridge, and it looks kind of like the bridge in the lake that we saw in the beginning. Then Gail looks back again and removes the hat, and it turns out it's Corn Puff. And then we see Larry uh, open up the back, the hatch, the trunk hatch, and Amber is just zoned out. Did I say Larry? Laquarius. Amber is zoned out, even though Gail is yelling, Larry! And he escapes. He jumps out the car and escapes. And the car veers off the bridge and goes straight into the lake. And Laquarius, we see him walk all the way back home. Of course, he knows where he lives. He don't. <laughs> um, and he, we just see him. He goes straight in. He's all dirty and stuff. Definitely a little traumatized. He just immediately starts washing the dishes. Um, and we see his mom comes in and sees him return home. And she kind of has a softer vibe to her. Very patient this time now. And Laquarius asks if there's any spaghetti. And, you know, she's like, it's in the fridge, baby. Like, so we see, I think the mom knows he kind of learned his lesson, but of course doesn't know what he had to go through. Um, and then we see uh, on the news, the three kids, I believe he saved them. Um, they made it out alive and were found at the rest stop. So I guess he had them leave and then he stayed in the car um, to serve as a, a decoy of sorts. But he goes, turns it off. Goes back to watching American Dad like a G. Aquarius turns around and looks straight at you. And then now we see Urn wake up. And of course, it was an entire dream. But as we're kind of seeing what the scene is and where he's at, we hear this weird music. It definitely fits the tone. The music is given like, this is a strange place in a strange room. And you got a strange white woman in your bed. And then that concludes it. We in Europe, y'all. So before I get into, of course, the, the best segment is giving, um, I'm going to talk about how this story was. I'm going to try to make it quick. Uh, this was in reference to a real life story of familicide, I guess you want to call it, um, by these, these two white women couples named was the Hart family. Um, I believe there's even a, a special called Broken Hearts. It's kind of a documentary on it on Discovery+. Plus. But uh, we see a couple named Jen and Sarah Hart. I'm going to give you the whole scoop, the background, but like the the really good giblets of it, um, the parts that you just need to know, um, just to let y'all know, give y'all some more context. But um, basically, Jen and Sarah met in college in South Dakota, uh, came out as lesbians, and this was in around 2004, wasn't well received, and it seems like they were ostracized from at least their local community, despite their family later on saying that, you know, they accepted them, but we still see that they isolated themselves from their family. Jen was viewed as kind of the dominant person in the relationship and apparently like control. Um, I, it, when, when you, cause I've read several articles on it. I feel like this article said that. And when you start uh, kind of characterizing people, I feel like, that isn't it gets kind of bloggish so we're just gonna say jen with gail was probably based on jen and they say sarah was the passive sensitive one we're gonna say amber was based um on sarah was based on amber no amber was based in based off of sarah um but yeah, because we like I said, that dichotomy of Gail being kind of the harder dominant one and 
Amber being the softer, sensitive one, but they all still racist it the same. But yeah, anyway, they moved to Minnesota. Both worked at a department store. I think one of them worked some miscellaneous jobs, what have you. In 2004, they adopted a 15-year-old black child who um, complained about... My, I'm sorry. I'm not sure. Ignore that 2004 because I thought they went to college in 2004, but ignore that. Anyway, they adopted a 15-year-old black child. This is still kind of the early 2000s, though. Um, they complained um, about the child, apparently, to their coworkers. The child, who's now an adult, says that they told her uh, of plans to adopt more children. And apparently the week before they adopted those children, they dropped her off at a therapist's office and never returned. And in 2006, the couple took in three siblings. So I guess, yeah, took in three siblings from a foster care in Texas. Um, they received funds from the state of Texas covering all six children, uh, compromising, uh, apparently the, the funds compromised about 50% of the 50 half of the family household income with the overall reported amount of $270,000, which was about what, $1,900 a month over the past decade. And I feel like, I think they said the average amount that you receive for each child is about 400, 500, 600 per child. So they were receiving about 1,900 a month over the past decade. So they got this huge loan and stuff, received funds. but then we start seeing reports of abuse. The teachers were uh, alerted the authorities about the abuse that the children were suffering. Sarah, the more what sensitive one, took blame for the assault and was on probation with one year of community service. And after a whole process of them taking the kids out of school and then re-enrolling them. They took the kids out of school for good. And it seemed like they were trying to prevent any outside influences on the children. And, you know, the block is hot. So we got to keep these kids under our quote unquote security and safety, quote unquote safety. Um, But once authorities started to investigate the abuse allegations further, they left to Oregon and apparently where they were in Oregon, they were big in the festival community. Uh, they had a social, strong social media presence. We'll often preach about family and love and community. And apparently people saw through the facade and reported the kids like underfed. They looked like trained robots. After, you know, they took pictures, they went back to being kind of lifeless and they were afraid of Jen. But officials could not find concrete records of abuse. So, you know, I guess that's fizzled out. Now, in 2014, Devontae, one of the children, went viral after a picture of him at a Black Lives Matter protest in Portland. And this was uh, around the time of the Ferguson protests. Um, in the photo, Devontae has tears streaming down from his face after hugging a police officer. And this photo was kind of misconstrued to be a symbol of, quote unquote, unity between black, specifically black kids, black boys, black people in the police um, encounter to what happened in Ferguson with, you know, police killing niggas. And this kind of was also, like I said before, when Laquarius went up to the officer and like the way he did it, like he ran up to him and it does look like a hug, but it's really like save me type of thing. But people, you know, it got misconstrued and it's like freedom hugs. 
Um, so that was very interesting. I also didn't know that. And apparently Devontae was asked to be on TV. Jen denied all of this, you know, kind of turned all those down. And things were silent up until 2017 when the family relocated to Washington. And then in 2018, between the time they moved in till 2018, we see a whole kind of timeline where the children would tell the neighbors called it the cobs of kind of the abuse and neglect. Like, can you please feed me? Don't tell them I said this, you know, help me out, like help. They are not good. They are abusing us. This time, Jen and Sarah packed up and left for good with the kids. And long story short, the authorities found a flipped up family SUV at the base of a hundred foot cliff around Northern California. The couple and three of the six kids that they adopted, Marquise, who was 19, Abigail, who was 14, and Jeremiah, who was 14, were confirmed dead. And the other three children, Hannah, who's 16, Devontae, who was 15 at the time, and Sierra, who was 12 at the time, are still so far reported missing. And they also found Jen to be intoxicated above the uh, legal limit, especially with driving. So, I mean... It, it's a the, the case is closed and now the information on this case is publicly available as of 2019 but it it seems as though not even seems as though they drove the car off of the cliff and committed I, I believe it's called familicide where you just kill the whole family um and you know the other three kids are still reported missing but it, it's just after learning of this and then the drown town I'm just like this is some sick shit white people can't handle their lives so they bring us down with them and it i feel like that just manifests in so many different ways but it 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 was pretty haunting it was pretty haunting i'm glad this episode definitely had a good note to it uh definitely lessons learned but yeah this was the story that happened just to give y'all a little bit more context um i was debating on putting this at the beginning but i feel like y'all had to hear the whole show and then hear this, so kind of helps connect the two. But yes, this was the story. Look it up. The Hart family, H-A-R-T. Public records on the case are available um, online. There's many articles on it. And I'm, I'm actually glad they referenced this because I feel like it's going to bring cases like these to light. So we're at my favorite part of the episode uh, called It's Giving. And basically I assess the episode and give a score. It could be from 1 to 10, 1 to 100, a negative, a reaction, a decimal, a letter, uh, a sound, anything. Um, but I am going to tell you what is given, um, aptly named after this podcast. So um, yeah, I absolutely, I love 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 this episode and i just love how atlanta is able to just take you where it wants to take you there's no straight up kind of of course there's a plot of sorts but it's still very loose and very flexible and i feel like just the whole tone and backbone of the show is about telling stories and just telling things that it wants to tell and there's so many things to tell it's hard to kind of just be in one box. And I feel like Atlanta 
works very well with just taking it wherever it wants to go um and this time it wanted to tell this story so i'm really glad they referenced an actual story because i never really even heard about it myself until watching this episode so i i hero his mind who's the director stephen glover's mind donald glover's mind and definitely with this kind of jordan peele lens to it definitely made the episode really 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 dope really cool um this is a type of episode that i would and i have already i already have and i'm gonna force my family to watch it but this is an episode i would I wouldn't even say, oh, so y'all can get on Atlanta. This is an episode I would just tell any any and everyone to watch. Regardless if you want to get into Atlanta or not, I think it would be ideal if they continue watching Atlanta after, you know, seeing the episode if they haven't watched Atlanta before. But this is one of them. This is one of them. Um, I feel like this is probably one of my favorite episodes of television ever. Probably one of the best episodes of television ever. And I'm starting to really, Donald Glover said the series finale, the whole series finale is going to top, not top, but be on the level of Sopranos and nothing else can even touch uh, this show, Atlanta series finale. So that's, that was a lot of big words and big shit to say. But after seeing this episode and, you know, getting to know Lance a little bit more, honestly, I can, I can, I can see that. Cause I feel like Atlanta, I love Insecure, but Insecure still has a, this isn't, and I, this isn't even a comparing which is better. It's not, nothing is, this is not about that. It's just, I feel like with a lot of the other great black shows, like insecure is cool but it's definitely kind of a refined polished type of voice uh abbott elementary i love but it's definitely you know refined and polished uh that's undeniable but it's still great um but the atlanta i feel like is definitely a raw mind fuck kind of you know will take you anywhere type of show and for that i think it's I, i mean maybe donald glover is right maybe it will kind of pretty much be on the level of Sopranos. so honestly i'm gonna keep repeating what i'm gonna keep saying so i'm gonna just give the score right now i said the episode is giving like for me i think it's giving a 10 out of 10 and this is the first 10 out of 10 i've ever given of anything 10 out of 10 a plus everything i this is like i said probably one of my favorite episodes of television that i've ever 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 watched so i say 10 out of 10 across the board so there we have it that is three slaps season three episode one of atlanta definitely 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 a great start to the season even though most of the story didn't have to do with the main story but that's okay i feel like it was definitely a story worth telling i'm very interested in seeing how urn is going to be like in europe um tempted by 
the white temptation we already see <laughs> we already see that you know there's a whole white woman in his bed so i'm very curious to see the explanation i cannot wait darius is going to love uh europe um i'm interested in seeing alfred in hashtag paperboy aka paperboy in europe um especially given the fact that he said i believe what the last episode of season two that he's never been outside of atlanta so to your first experience outside of atlanta georgia and it's in europe that's going to be wild so i'm looking forward to see how van fits into it i feel like some german aspect is probably going to be involved um maybe that german nigga that she was talking to in the last season is going to appear because i believe he did say I got a place for you if you ever want to be in Germany, etc. So we're going to see what's going to happen in the next episode. And, of course, I'm going to give you the review on that as well. And I am here as y'all's voice for Atlanta Season 3. So if y'all want to process, if y'all want to discuss, and y'all want to think about the episode in many different layers come on tune in and we're gonna let you know what is given but of course um bye bye for now i'll always will be here giving y'all these episodes trying to work to pretty much release these episodes in a timely fashion in terms of a consistent certain you know same day each time that's gonna that's going to vary especially now but it's going to vary in general just because that's how tv shows and movies are i'm i don't know when they're going to release it and you know sometimes new episodes are on tuesday new episodes of that tv shows on tuesday sometimes it's on thursday sometimes it's on saturday you know not saturday but you know what i mean so i don't think there's going to be a okay he's going to release every wednesday i i'm i'm going to consider that but i really realistically just the way things are set up in the scope of this and what we talk about i don't know if i can give y'all like the you know same day but definitely i don't release episodes on friday i don't ever going to do that but but i'm still going to release these episodes you know on a consistent basis at least maybe not today but anyway i'll see y'all next time and yeah um is given.